What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had the council, Marcellus Williams, Joe Stanick, myself, and Steve DeNovi to discuss some international talks. We had a roundtable dealing with the USA's potential expansion internationally, uh, re-expansion, if you will, because they were part of the IPF umbrella for such a long time. That's no longer the case. And we give some really good insight on that. Uh, Steve is actually part of the international committee, and... He also has his insight and his knowledge on this, so it's really good information there. Joe was a IPF or USAPL coach at IPF World, so he shares his experience. And just a lot of ideas were shared, a lot of discourse happened, a lot of debate happened between us on what we would like to see from the uh, USAPL Pro Series if it dives into the international route of powerlifting, and also if it should be a priority. We discuss all of that um, again Really good insight. Overall message of the show is more people really need to be involved in powerlifting. More eyes have to be on powerlifting. More people have to be in powerlifting for the sport to be successful. So uh, hopefully with our discussions here, we can get a lot of people on board for that. And, of course, we spent the last, like, 10 to 15 minutes just rambling about things, which is always a fun thing to do with the council. So fantastic episode. Really fun getting the council on to discuss anything powerlifting-related. But before we get into this episode, got to talk to you guys about Left Lar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftlarbros.com, go to Instagram and follow them and check out the merchandise. Left Lar Bros has the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport, hands down guaranteed. It looks the best. They constantly come out with new designs, new graphics, new tees. They do not set or they do not sell the same old product, same old logo over and over again. 2021 was a fantastic year, and I already have inside knowledge on 2022. It's going to be an even better year for Left Lar Bros with some of the stuff that I have seen from CB and all of Left Lar Bros. So use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money on all Left Lar Bros merchandise. That is all Left Lar's merchandise. Use that promo code 2WL15. Also, get yourself some merchandise from Two White Lights on there as well. We are actually going to be transitioning to get Two White Lights all of our merchandise onto twowhitelights.com, but that promo code 2WL15 will work just as good. So use those promo codes 2WL15 to save yourself some money on the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport. Also, make sure you go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform because it is the best. I do not wear anything that is shoddy, that is faulty, and... Also, the great thing about Stoic, it's affordable too. So it's affordable equipment. It looks great. It feels great as well. And use promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on all Stoic gear. Use that promo code ANGELO10 to make those affordable knee sleeves, singlets, wrist wraps, belts even more affordable by saving yourself some money. Lift.net, Stoic gear, code ANGELO10. Also, make sure you go to NotoriousLift.com and get yourself some no-slip drip slippers. Use promo code ANG15, A-N-G-15, to save yourself some money. They are coming out with new drops in 2022, and they are looking fantastic. They have their new 2.5 Gen shoes out. They look fantastic. They feel fantastic. And also, they are coming out with more colorways, so you don't want to miss out on a colorway. Sign up for the newsletter. Get on the drop immediately. You will be disappointed when you're like five minutes late and your size is gone. And uh, with the colors that they're dropping right now, because they got the all whites, they got some offset black and whites, they had the metallic gold, they had the silver in 2021, they're going to come out with something you like, especially with the new gen slippers. 
So use promo code ANG15, sign up for the newsletter, save yourself some money, and also do not miss out on these slippers because you will be disappointed because you're going to have a slipper that matches your gym attire, your platform attire so perfectly, you just don't want to miss out on it. Also, new sponsor alert, go to Freshly.com to get yourself some macro-friendly healthy foods. Meal prep is a very important aspect for all powerlifters. All good powerlifters worry about what they put in their body. I have recently just got Freshly, and it is fantastic for powerlifting. One is nationwide, so if you order something, they send it right to you. You get to take it out, put it in your fridge, and have your meals for the week. Also, they're healthy. Powerlifters, you have to eat healthier. When I eat healthier, I'm a better powerlifter. I guarantee you that. And I've been eating freshly recently. It tastes great. It's fresh. It's macro-friendly. It's high in protein. It's got your serving of vegetables in there as well. It is a fantastic, fantastic company, and it's also great for you, the powerlifter. So get on Freshly.com. Use promo code ANG2015AFF. They gave me the longest promo code in powerlifting. That is one other thing. We have the best promo code in powerlifting with 2WL15, and now we have the longest promo code in ANG215AFF. Use that promo code on Freshly, and you will save yourself some money. Remember, they ship nationwide, so it doesn't matter where you're listening to this podcast. Freshly will have you covered because it is nationwide, baby. It's sent like in some dry ice. It's fresh. The packaging is fantastic. Use that code. I will probably post it on my personal page. ANG2015 AFF. And also make sure you're on twolights.com. Subscribe, visit the website. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five star rating. Leave a review as well. And without further ado, here it is Two White Lights. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. And as promise, I got with me the council. How you doing, gentlemen? The council consisting of Marcellus and Joe Sanic. How are you, boys? By the way, Marcellus, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate it. Joe, it's not your birthday, but we're happy to see you anyway. Always, always. And, of course, we got these gentlemen in here to talk about some international powerlifting stuff. Uh, Kind of a roundtable on what we would like to see or what some questions we have and just some ideas on the potential of expansion from the USAPL into the international realm. It sounds funny. Because it was always an international presence, but now we have to re-expand into the international side of powerlifting. And I got a man here who's very close to all that, my co-host, Steve DeNovi. Yeah, so kind of one of the reasons we want to do this is uh, the International Committee had its first meeting in December. Um, and honestly, there's not, it's not like there's much of a plan. Like that's what we're trying to figure out right now. So, um, it only seems right that we get the council together. Um, we're the ones that are, are trying to, uh, uh, 
formulate the plan. We did so with the, uh, the thoughts of the IPF versus USAPL. So kind of thinking of getting our ideas of what internationally we think we'd like to see um, to kind of then report back and, and give some information um, to hopefully kind of uh, to help out the the international committee in some decisions and, and get some opinions and whatnot. So um, I guess we'll start off. I mean, even before we get into kind of the thoughts of what is international expansion, do we even want to see it? Uh, we got one one member here that's been to a couple world championships. So Joe, kind of, if you want to kind of give us a breakdown of like what is international competition? Like when you went there, what's different? What's good? What's bad? Like what what's the different atmosphere that we we hear about? Sure. Um, I, I mean, the first thing that I'll say is that, so I've been twice and the biggest thing is that it kind of differed by country. Um, for example, the first time I went, it was in Calgary and it actually took place. I think the venue was a volleyball club, if I'm not mistaken, um, which seems a little underwhelming, but they did a good job transforming it um, compared to, I guess we'll just use the comparison of say raw nationals to the world championships the biggest difference is that it's a little bit more low key in terms of the excitement levels in the the venue, at least for the most part, there tends to be less of an audience just because, you know, it's an international event. So as a result of many countries coming together, there's just not as many people to watch. Um, The other sort of big thing is that the stage kind of tends to either be elevated in comparison to the audience or vice versa. So it's, it's one versus the other. So generally the whole venue can kind of see well from any angle. Um, the warm-up room usually tends to be full of uh, more combo racks than are typically necessary, which is, is good. Um, but it allows the lifters to have, you know, smaller groups on each station. Uh, and I, then I think the only other real big difference, at least in comparison to raw nationals that I've seen is that there tends to be a little bit more of a professional setup in terms of, uh, the media, there's more camera angles for the commentary, more camera angles for the platform, but that gap has bridged over the course of my, my years being there. Um, the other thing too, is in Sweden, at least when I went for that one, um, that one was just very like Olympic model style where there wasn't a lot of interaction and clapping. Whereas like in Calgary, there was at least like some music going in the back and things like that. Um, in terms of the pacing in the meet, though, I will say it's even faster than Raw Nationals. Uh, the spotters are brought in from, I'm not sure what country off the top of my head, but they always bring the same spotting team to Worlds, and they're very efficient. So the meet goes by very, very quickly. Whereas, you know, depending on where Raw Nationals has been, sometimes we don't always get that. But in general, that tends to be where that, that uh, like, difference in the two meets ends. I mean, obviously, you know, you have people coming from all around the world. Uh, but there's not a, a huge difference overall in terms of the way things are. Well, I think one, I, I can't say this for fact, it's more just kind of what I feel like I've heard through the grapevine from other people. You did go to probably two of the better ones though. I feel like being Sweden and Canada, like they're, they're, they're higher, they're nicer countries, nicer locations. Um, I think I've heard from some others who have been to, to, uh, multiple world champions through, I mean, Belarus was one that we still talk about um, that one of the issues sometimes was that some places were great like Sweden and Canada and some places like Belarus, we had people getting murdered in hotels. Um, it wasn't the greatest place to be. Um, the venue was okay. So I've, I've heard that a little bit. I can't comment too much there, but that's also kind of what I've heard is like um, we, we have a pretty uh, solid kind of 
expectation in the U.S. of kind of like what a meet is, especially at the national level, like no matter which place we go, Vegas or Spokane or Lombard, it's pretty much the same. Like we're usually in a pretty big conference venue um, and all that kind of stuff. That's really, really nice uh, where I've heard that worlds can, can be hit or miss sometimes. That's the only thing I'll kind of add there. So um, uh, on top yeah, of that just, spotting though, too, 2016 uh, spotters <laughs> were not the best at IPF worlds. Um, and if you go on YouTube, you just search IPF spotters. Like the first thing you see is IPF spotter fails and faulty IPF spotting. So I know they improved since then, but that was like the year that they had like those fifteen. The Kelly kids. Branton one where he freaked out after they couldn't catch it. Well, they we had like fifteen year old kids spotting all these guys. Like they're seriously, in, they look like infants spotting them. So that I think that's just an evolution in powerlifting since. But I also think two thousand fifteen and two thousand sixteen IPF Worlds live stream was the best in powerlifting. Like. Pick, pick and choose uh, what you want. Good, good, good spotting and a uh, or a good spotting and an okay live stream or an amazing live stream with terrible spotting. Yeah, I mean, kudos on that. They, I mean, they probably understood and realized, like Joe kind of said, there, there's not it's not as much of a spectator event since everyone's flying in from different countries and and whatnot. So um, more of a broadcast probably is important. So. Um, kind of before we get into the kind of thoughts of like, do we want to expand internationally? Like we do have an option right now. So without even the international committee being formed and kind of formulating a plan, um, we do have an international membership. Uh, we actually talked about that on our, our live uh, show we did last week with Marcellus because we got Rondell Hunt, who we know has signed up for an international membership that's coming over. So I'll give a quick criteria for it because I do have some critiques here. And I think, he, I think we've kind of talked and we kind of agree on this. Um, so international membership means you can compete at local meets. Um, you can compete at state championships, but just as a guest, you compete at national meets just as a guest. Apparently at collegiate nationals or collegiate only events, though, you can compete for placing. I thought that was a little uh, interesting. I think that might be partially at the university games, like, like trying to kind of uh, create an avenue for people to be able to do USAPL collegiates instead of the university games. Arnold, you can complete, complete, compete for placing. And the pro series is invitation only, which I don't, don't really know what that means. I'm not sure what the qualifications are for people to get in. So um, <clears throat> I know for me, um, I would have loved to just see that just be a membership, like not like they it's, it, you can consider it an international membership. Cause I think probably liability wise, there might need to be something different to kind of uh, distinguish an international member versus a, a, a member within the United States um, as well as possible kind of out of meat testing and what that kind of might entail if it's needed. Um, but I don't know about you. I, I mean, like Rondell, he's the, be the poster child for this in 2022, um, I just want to compete at nationals. I don't want him to be a guest. I would rather if you're if you can do if you get an international membership, you can just kind of come over and compete in the USAPL. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense, especially if you're gonna you know get the international membership. You're gonna come all the way down to the US from whatever country you're coming down from. To me, it's almost sort of like a slap in the face if you do all that, and then what you do technically doesn't count. Guest lift, like yeah, you get to compete against everyone else, but it doesn't technically count. So. I mean, to me, especially if the goal is to try to have more of an international presence, then let what the international lifters do count. If they got to have some type of qualifications to come down for the meet, which I agree with you, Steve. I think it just makes the most sense to be like, hey, if you get to a national membership, you can go compete in local meets, national meets, whatever it may be. And they just follow the same criteria as what the local U.S. lifters do. So, like, for example, for nationals, they have to have a qualifying total, of course. And I think that should be it. I can see, and I was thinking about this problem a lot prior to the podcast, and I think that the 
current issue that I'm, I'm sure the powers that be in the USAPL are thinking about is with these lifters in particular, um, particularly if we were to allow them to compete for pro cards, whereas they might be normally susceptible to uh, the out-of-meat testing protocols that the lifters in the U.S. are currently going to be under. Um, how, how would that work in all of these different countries? And I think that that's probably the only thing that's holding that particular point back. Because if they can figure out a, a decent way to do that, yeah, I agree with you guys completely. I see no, I see no issue uh, with letting everybody come here and compete. And honestly, it seems like that's what they ultimately want to do. It's just, you know, you kind of have to be fair to your membership base, you know? So I can tell you, uh, at least on the international committee, there's someone in charge of that. So I know that's something that they don't know how yet, but that's definitely something they're looking into is how they're going to be able because they're going to have international members if they want to expand internationally. Um, Obviously that's something that's going to be very, very important. So I know they're looking into that. So I guess before getting deep into it, um, I mean, a simple question is like, do we even want to expand internationally? Um, I know I, I, I can see it possibly, and I'll kind of, I'll give my opinion on what I think probably I would like to see, but um, I, I'm kind of on the, on the end of like, I don't think that's the end all be all. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is we have are the biggest talent pool in all of the world. We have, I think over 50% of like the top 50 lifters in the world. Um, I don't think that was something that I, at least me, I put a lot of emphasis on, but I think that's different with other lifters. Like there are lifters that I think put a lot more emphasis on international competition. Um, and we all coach people. I don't, that, that's where I'll ask you guys. Cause I don't personally coach anyone that really had some big emphasis on international competition. So it, it was a pretty easy transition. It didn't really make any difference. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like it's, I care about the international, I guess, expansion happening, but only in the sense of like wanting the best of the best from other countries to be able to come down and compete against ours. I don't so much place value in just like, oh, you went to another country. That doesn't so much matter to me um, as much as just like having people like Rondell be able to come and compete against like Ashton, for example. Um, so I feel like, the expansion should pretty much be that, that if people want to come down here and compete in the USAPL, then they can. I value that a little bit more than just the whole, like, I guess, like, almost having an idea of, like, you know, like, worlds or something like that, right? I mean, because if that were the case, then I'd be pushing more for, like, powerlifting America, which I couldn't care about. Well, yeah, I mean, even from my standpoint, from a lifter standpoint, if I valued international competition, I would go the PLA route. And it is, I think it is reliant on who competes in your weight class. Like Russ is staying. So it's a really, really easy choice for me. I have no desire really to compete against another 83 keel lifter throughout the world. All the other people I want to compete against are in the USAPL. So that was an easy, uh, that was an easy decision for me. But on top of that, I think people are lured into international meets for the travel aspect. They like to compete yeah. internationally. They like to compete in other countries. It is a cool thing for sure. I've actually, I have done it once. I have competed in Britain. It was very fun. But I think a lot of people really dictate their decision based off that. I don't necessarily know if it's like facing the best in the world. Of course, it's going to be reliant on weight classes, but I think the novelty of just traveling and powerlifting in different countries is the cool factor of international competitions. I would rather, I would, what was that, Marcellus? Oh, because, well, you can even look at just like 
look at some before the split happened, look at like, you know, when they're like, oh, we're going to have it in Belarus again, the amount of people who are like, well, then I'm not going. And then when they, when they switched it up, it was like, okay, well now I'll go. So I think, I think that's definitely like true to your point that it's more about the location and the traveling more so than the direct competition. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And also well, the, something the I learned from, too. something I learned from Josh Rohr that I guess I didn't have taken into account kind of talking about this is I think for anyone, they would like to travel, but how important that is for masters lifters. Cause they tend to have, they tend to have a little bit more disposable income and they're usually in that time in their life where like they're wanting to travel and they're wanting an excuse to. And so they're literally planning their entire year, trying to find these places that they're going to be traveling for me. Cause I, I definitely know, I know some master lifters, they almost travel for every meet they do because they use it as an excuse to go on a vacation. Um, and I, I didn't realize that that was such a big priority for them and why they valued international competition, maybe even more than kind of the open lifters did. Yeah. I, that would make sense. But for me, I mean, this is just a personal thing. I still don't understand. I, I this is I don't understand the allure of it because it's not like they're in these like they're in uh, Madrid or Rome or all these amazing tourist destinations. They're in Calgary and sweet like <laughs> no offense to Sweden and where they have it, but it's not it's not the it's not the best part of Sweden. It's not the tourist attraction of Sweden. So and they tell us these places. I'm like I I actually I actually went to a I went to Manchester, UK. That's a that's a cool city. I would. Then it would make sense for me. It's like you're not you're going to equivalent to these regular cities in the United States. Like I rather go to Vegas than any of these countries. Like ten times out of ten, I would even go to Daytona. Then and I don't like Daytona. I'm not a big fan of the city, but I would rather go there instead of these um, other nations. But I don't know. To each your own. I, I understand the allure of it. Um, yeah, and I I think to add on top of that. Um, I mean, first of all, it's not like every single destination is bad. Like I'm wearing, I'm wearing the, the t-shirt from when bench world was in Tokyo. Obviously that's a cool place. Yeah. Um, but I, from what I know, a lot of lifters, when they travel, like for example, a U.S. lifter coming to Europe, like just because it's relatively easy to hop from country to country, they'll like map out routes to go to like adjacent countries that are a little bit more alluring. So I, like, I know, for example, when, worlds was in sweden like even some of the coaching staff for example would like after they were done they would take a train and you know they'd go up to denmark and then just kind of move through all the different adjacent countries and you know figure figure things out so i think that that's probably something to consider with that as well as it even even if it's not happening somewhere where you like want to go depending on the region of the world it tends to be easier to get to somewhere where you might want to go i think a lot of it's a community too just lifting with other people from different countries is something that again brings people into the international competition. I for I, now that's one thing that I would love to do. That's one thing I would really enjoy is to go and compete against, or, or I mean, go against and compete against them, but also just kind of hang out with you know the Italian team and the French team and the people I've actually developed friendships over the years with you know um, just through social media. Like that would be cool to do, and I and I think a lot of lifters really enjoy that. Isaac Whistler when he came on the show, he's like. That was a really awesome thing. You're having dinner with the Irish team one night. You're hanging out with the French team the other night. You, you know, you're hanging out with the, the Italian team this day. And, like, yeah, that that's really cool. And really, I mean, it could be in a shitty part. It could be in Calgary, Canada. But if you're hanging out with good people, you know, it's a fun time. And people remember that um, a little bit more than perhaps just a cool destination meet. Um, but, I, I, again, just from personal thing here, I just don't like the model of IPF worlds. 
This is where I'm like, I see the potential here with the USAPL in bringing those international lifters, and I could always compete against the best in the world. I don't have to do this thing where we could send one representative per country. I get to do it constantly, like other sports. Like in the yeah. NBA, you're the best in the world because the best in the world go to the NBA. And yeah. I think that the IPF model for me, just the IPF world itself is broken. When you look at other weight yeah. classes, it's broken. It's it's really a competition to me that doesn't get my interest as much as even the Arnold, even some local meets actually. Like there's just not a whole lot there sometimes because you only get these one representative per country. And a lot of these countries have multiple lifters who are better than the best lifter in Ireland. Just use them as an example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if we just think about it, you know, looking at your weight class, Angelo, like watching like, you know, Russell, Sean, you watching all y'all go back and forth, go at it. That's just way more entertaining than watching Russ, you know, go to Worlds and get first place by like 200 keys or whatever. I mean, I mean, even if Gibbs, so like let's use Gibbs, for example, even if he competes against Gibbs, it's, I think, cooler to see all the 83s and together in the u.s yeah, i'd rather see gibbs come over here exactly yeah. i think yes. he would actually be like again we keep talking about gibbs i don't know if gibbs is ever going to power lift again it's been years yeah. since we've seen him do anything like there's just like a gibbs will come back and i would love it but like we talk about it like it's happening i think not us but people in general but yeah i think he would have more interest in coming over to the u.s to compete against sean and russ and delaney and angelo um all at once versus just like a simple head to head against only one lifter. That's more. Yeah. It, it makes the competition more interesting. It's like if it's just Russ versus Gibbs, they only have to worry about each other. But if you throw Angelo and Sean, you throw everybody else in the mix, it's, it's just way more fun. You're going to get way more engagement. Um, that's why to me, and like Angelo was saying, I don't, I don't see the point of us separating from the IPF if we just go and do everything the same way as the IPF. We, there's no point, even though we totally got kicked out. <laughs> I mean, I'll even, I'll even add to that point. It's not even, it's not even just that like we get all of these lifters like in the same competition. It makes for a more interesting viewing experience in, in general, just because of all of the extra strategy that goes into it. Yeah. Like if we know Angelo has this crazy pull and can come in and just essentially go six for six and then go for whatever place he, he wants, like that's something that you might not get at worlds, you know? Um, and so having such a close standard, to these levels of competitions is, is one of, if not the, for me, uh, major factors in, in expanding internationally, because it, it gives us that ability to literally pull the best of the world in and then create that high entertainment value that in my opinion, IPF worlds lacks simply because, and I mean, again, no offense to these lifters that go to IPF worlds, but some of them just are not on the same standard as, you know, your Russ's that sort of deal. Yeah, so I think I mean I would I think I'm going to mirror what you all said. I would be disappointed if we went right back to the Olympic model and tried to mimic what the IPF's doing and just be IPF 2.0. Because um, one, I think we have something that is uh, has a lot more potential in the professional model with the. I just think that has so much more room to grow um, and be creative with how we can grow that. Um, within that though, I, I, there's probably about two, there's kind of two models I think that could fit within if you don't do the Olympic model. And one was kind of brought up on the international committee call and they told me I could talk about it. Um, uh, they use the, the term tennis model. I'll use the term UFC model. Cause I think that's probably one, um, probably even more close to related since it's weight class based manner. Um, but also probably our lift- listeners are probably more, uh, in tune with UFC is that the UFC is, is the professional organization. Everyone wants to be in the UFC, but 
they some they do hold meets in other country or competitions in other countries. They will hold someone in Dubai. They'll hold one in Ireland, um, just like tennis. They have the Australian Open. They have Wimbledon. Um, they have they have uh, competitions in other countries, but not necessarily like affiliating other countries or anything. It's just that we have people who have international memberships. Um, when we hold meets in other countries, it's probably easier for them to compete since they don't have to travel over. And so they can be able to get their competition in there. Maybe we do have like a pro aspect of that meet. And there's also the, there's the options for just teens and juniors. So it can be an all-inclusive meet that then they can qualify to come over and do our nationals or whatever it may be. But that, that could be like, we could have like, let's say three or four pro meets as well as full meets below it or following it um, in other countries each year and follow what I'll call like the UFC model. Um, I, I personally think that would be my favorite way to go. Um, the other way is to start affiliating other countries, um, which we can get into, but honestly, I, I don't know if that's going to work out well. I think that's likely what will happen there is, uh, it's going to take a lot. The fact matters, the IPF dominates the world scene. It does. Like it would take a very long time for us to be able to get enough like quality lifters in other countries to be able to hold a true world championship, in my opinion, mm-hmm. or like try and do that by affiliating other countries. It would be like PLA trying to take over the USAPL in the US is us trying to take over um, Italy and France and Sweden with new affiliates. Plus there's the whole like incentive. It's kind of like the opposite problem here. Like here, people have the incentive to be in the USAPL because it's already established. It's already ready. And it'd be like a pain to almost proud America for a lot of people. Well, over there, it's like if we try to affiliate with other countries through the USAPL, they are taking the risk of, okay, if I try this and it doesn't work out, I'm banned from the IPF. So then they can't even do any more meets in their country. So that's like, that's a big risk that they're taking for something that more than likely, in my opinion, wouldn't even work. Like compared to like the first idea, like just having the, you know, the international competition and the memberships, I think that's a lot better than having the actual country affiliates. Yeah. Yeah. I think something, something, another like major barrier for us having like these pro series events in other countries is just like the level of competition in a sense that like, how would, how would we have lifters? Like, even if we get a lot of great lifters from each country to do those competitions, um, they, it might not be a large pool of people. Right. So then it's, it's not going to be a super exciting event. If there's only like, you know, three pro level lifters competing compared to like what we had at the Virginia pro. Um, so in my opinion, in order to get this to work, we would need some sort of incentive to actually get, and this might appeal to the travel thing uh, that we were talking about earlier. We need some kind of incentive to get our pros to go do those meets. Like if we were to, to set them up, like, you know, like Wimbledon or the Australian open, um, you know, international competitions that happen in other countries, but are open to other pros. I think the way that we get those to become popular is we have some kind of incentive that gets our pros to go out of country and compete at those events. Now, the question is, is how do we do that in such a way that's financially feasible? Cause the obvious way would be to do these meets happen to have like a lot more money, then maybe some at home and then there's uh, incentive for them to then spend the money on traveling internationally, but that's not always going to happen. So guys have any other creative ideas? I think that would be a good to discuss. I think if you just did some like cover travel for like specific lifters, like if you like do like, okay, hey guys, we're going to send two or three lifters west to this pro meet in another country and like you know there's different ways to determine that and then like we're going to cover the travel fees for these two to three lifters um so i I mean just working with some of the lifters who would like be in that discussion i know for a fact that if they say hey we're going to cover your travel fee and stay to come here and compete 
they would say yes. So even something like that could possibly help if the USAPL has to do something like that. If they're kind of thinking like long-term, hey, this is going to help us grow, you know, the pro division, then that is an option, something as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the financials, but like if we're going to have international members doing these meets, that's new money coming in. It could be simply to me just allocating that money towards getting some of those U.S. lifters over or just the fact that we, we do know that like uh, they are saving a lot of money by not being the um, They didn't go super aggressive with the payouts for the pro series yet. So I, I figure there's some money that could be allocated towards that. But yeah, it doesn't need to be 20 lifters going over there. But if they could send five lifters um, over there that wanted to just to be able to kind of be able to represent the country and since the pro division, which would then give uh, uh or for it incentive for international lifters to want to go to that meet too. Cause if it's just like random people going over there from the U S um, I don't know how cool that is, but let's say they're getting Russ to go over there. Think how many people internationally are then going to want to go do that meet because Russ is doing it now. Like yeah. there's, there's certain draws that like, I mean, it's the same thing. Like if you, you can get so-and-so from the UFC, if you can get a uh, Chuck Liddell back in the day going over to Ireland to fight their best lifter, their best competitor in Ireland. Um, it's going to be a huge draw because they're wanting to see this, this idol they have in the U S come over to fight their best, their best person um, and go head to head. Yeah. Yeah. You get more, you get independence. You're going to get more people just coming to watch more people paying for the live stream. If they still do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say more so, especially in the United States that we have more lifters who are ambassadors of the sports or of the sport yeah. than we do internationally. Like a lot of people who are known in other countries are American lifters. Um, there's there's other lifters internationally who we definitely know in America and we would be psyched to see in America, but I don't think it comes close to the amount of talent that's within the United States. Um, I I really like that idea, and I and I I actually would like the way uh, them to treat it very similar to how baseball does their uh, World Baseball Classic, where you kind of give the you organize it on almost an Olympic style event, but you kind of give people the choice on whether or not they want to compete in it or not. So we have the rankings. We have that set up. You can send lifters there who are in the top three or the, the winners of the weight classes. Like, Hey, if you guys want to take this bid, you can take it and go compete in wherever the world or the world championship or something, or the international competition is going to be. And if you say no, we'll just go back down in the ranking and get the next guy and, and the next guy. And then see, like, almost as a, a more of a team event, as an actual international team event, as opposed to the individuality of what IPF Worlds, I think, is. People say it's nation-based, but I don't think it actually is. I think it's still individual-based at the end of the day. And how I know this, they all went to go to the U.S. Virgin Islands, and none of them are from the U.S. Virgin Islands. So it's mostly individual base. It's not they're not representing the country. I actually would love to see something that's legitimately you're representing your country. The World Baseball Classic in in in, uh, in professional baseball, a lot of the guys played in the major leagues and they go and represent their country and they were just psyched to represent their country and try to win something for their country. And the American team, a lot of guys decided not to do it. So you got to see some of the younger guys play and go and still try to battle it out against the entire world, if you will. And it was an incredibly entertaining thing um, that a lot of people tuned into. And I think I think world championships should be more so like that, as opposed to 
this is the meat that will decide if you're the best in the world or not. I don't think that should be the case. I think you should always compete against the best in the world at every single moment. You should compete against them, and then the international competition should be reserved more so for representing your country and trying to have an international competition between nations, not necessarily individuals. I think I think with your point then, Angelo, that you feel IPF Worlds is still an individual thing, then I think that that would make sense. Um, I think the question is, though, like, is that something – you know, that people that's one going to help continue to expand the sport um, and something that people would, you know, actually be up for, mm-hmm. you know, um, just because I think a lot of the world does view IPF worlds as being representative of their country. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I think the, the right now, what we're saying requires a change in the mindset of how powerlifters compete. And I don't know how feasible that is because I I'm we're, I think we're trying to pitch to powerlifters that's trying to compete just like a like let's try to compete like it's a professional sport and they're so used to not wanting to do that and they're so used to the model not going into the professional model that I think they're going to push away that idea and go back to what's familiar to them and I I I feel like they're they're not willing to really uh, dive into the professional model because of how long it's going to take, I think, change the mindset of the lifters competing in the sport. That's why I think you got to take everything one step at a time. Kind of like to Steve's point earlier, you don't want to do too much too early. And I think Steve's going to get more into this as far as like the fact they're still playing things out. But that's why I think the USAPL's number one goal right now, as far as all this should be making sure the pro division just goes well here yeah. right now with U.S. lifters, with what we're trying to do. Because if you make that work and you get some momentum with that and you get people supporting that, then you get more money and get more support that can help you expand to other stuff. And even with international presence, I still think the first thing would be just get international lifters to come here first, see how that goes. That goes well. Then you can see about maybe hosting pro meets and other kinds. But, like, we don't want to, like, you know, you don't want to jump the gun, basically. That actually kind of gives me a, a little bit of an idea that might be nice. What if we dedicated, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a pro event, but maybe like, maybe we do like a special pro qualifier just for international people once a year, like actually get those people here, um, you know, give them an incentive to come here that says like, Hey, we, we want you here. You get to experience the quality of our pro series. And if you do well here, we'll, you know, give you a chance to be a pro. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like that. It's kind of like almost similar to what they're doing, I think, with uh, the Raw Challenge at the Arnold this year, right? Because whoever wins gets, like, their pro card. So kind of something similar to that, but for international lifters. I like that. But I think that's kind of the idea of what, if you held meets in other countries, that that's what you do with that meet. So that they don't have to travel to the U.S. They can get their pro card. Like, there could be, like, one pro card up for grabs or whatever whatever it may be at these international meets that are held like three or four times a year that would get them to be pro status, which would then allow them to come over and compete in any of our pro meets and be part of the pro series. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Again, okay. That's, that's just the professional model. I mean, that's exactly what any other sport does is there's you're, you're, you're doing something in your own country to whether it's to 
it or whatever it may be um, to be able to be recognized to come over. Um, it's, it's a long way down the road, but like Marcel said, if, if we just raise the pro series to a standard where people are legitimately getting paid to be power lifters, I bet we'll see like the best people just move here. That's, that's a, that's a possibility. And that's literally a professional model because there's so much money in some of these other sports like UFC or football. We're not going to be that necessarily, but if we get to a point where you can make like, that attitude, Steve, uh, if, we, if someone makes, well, uh, Ashton's the one going to make 10 million. If someone's going to do it, it's going to be Ashton since he's going to compete seven times a year to win every single one of them. Yeah. And, let, um, and let's not forget, uh, <laughs> it took a while for, uh, the football players to have their salaries now. And then in the seventies, yes. they're working two jobs in the off season. They're working a job at like a mechanic shop just to make ends meet. So if we want that money, we have to wait like 30 years about, but I mean, we could look at bodybuilding. A lot of the international bodybuilders move here yeah. because this is where most of the media attention is, is where most of the sponsors is, is where they're, they can make more money. Um, uh, they end up moving here because we see a lot in like the, the, the Middle Eastern countries and bodybuilding who are fantastic, but they're not going to get any attention over there because of a lot of the religious views. So they move over here to kind of be able to actually make a living off of bodybuilding. Uh, I don't think power things in that same state, but I don't know. I, I think, I think I would, like Marcel said, I would rather just, put the pro series to such a status to where people are just going to want to be a part of it. Like we're not going to try and force them. They're just going to want to come um, as well as the fact that like, let's say we wanted to eventually affiliate other countries um, just sticking to the pro series model and having occasional international meets in other countries where we can have pro qualifiers um, that will build kind of that international presence to where like we would actually have the ability to affiliate other countries. I think if we did that right now, we'd have like one meet a year in Australia or something like that, or in whatever country it may be. And it would be a bunch of sub 400 dots lifters. And that would be the meat and like kind of what's the point of that. Um, I think it would be better to, to let it build naturally over time and create such a demand that there needs to be affiliates that we have to do it versus doing it because we think it's something that will help. Yeah. I, I will add one, one devil's advocate there. I do think there is a lot of appeal for people in other countries wanting to come and do broad nationals. There, there are some, now I don't necessarily think like having one in like each individual country is super feasible, but like, let's see, let's say we did like a European qualifier to come here and do nationals. I think that that meet would probably do pretty well. Yeah. See, I, I think, feel like I mean, something like, I mean, like that, though. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I feel like something like that, though, that goes back to, like, the way just the international membership works, where if they change it to where, okay, get your international membership, you can just come and do local meets, nationals, whatever, then I feel like the simple way for them to do nationals would be like, okay, you do the qualifying meet, you get the QT, and then you can come compete. Exactly. I feel like they should just do that. That's that's simple. And I feel like lifters would be down to do that because like you said, there's lifters internationally where they want to go against the best of the best. When they see that, okay, raw nationals is going to be more competitive. I can go up against the best of the best doing that. I think that incentive's already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they only have to pay for travel once a year, like one main big travel over the U.S. So they could just have their qualifying meet. Um, we just have to make sure to plan those around times to where it's it's set up to lead in the raw nationals but i think that would be perfect because it doesn't qualify they qualify in a country closer to them like you said like europe would be one one in australia um you would maybe want to do like an asia oceania region that sort of deal i think those three kind of for the most part cover it because i don't think south america has a big powerlifting presence 
Um, so if you did Europe, uh, Oceania, Asia, and then Australia, one in each of those countries, uh, and then put it in a place where people actually want to go, actually cool. Um, I think that could be a hit. I think you'd have some uh, U.S. lifters maybe go over there. Um, I don't think that would be the, the biggest appeal. I think the more appeal is allowing these international members to get their nationals qualifying total or having a pro card up for grabs for like a couple lifters um, and then allowing them to be able to come over and do their one meet a year in the U.S. and do nationals. Yeah. I also, but you would want them to travel to America twice, right? Because you want them to accumulate points for the Arnold. Well, if they're a pro. Yeah. Saying just qualify for nationals to do nationals. Okay, just uh, just a general. Okay. That's, which which that's that's just a because obviously nationals has a much lower qualifying total than what's likely going to be to be a pro. So yeah, if we get a pro, then they're going to be coming over a lot more often. Um, whether that just be in regards to being able to compete in the professional series or because they they legitimately could win some money doing it. Yeah, yeah. Angelo. The reason that I suggested that is is mainly for the long term of expansion. Um, because let's face it, like if you are a lifter who is basically alien, because let's face it, you know, the IPF has the largest international presence, right? And if they compete in one of our meets, they're alienating themselves from that, right? So yeah. there does need to be some non-pro events for those lifters that okay. don't have the ability to actually compete. Because otherwise, like, how are they going to compete? Where would yeah. they compete? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is the biggest issue right there. It's like, if I go to this federation and I ostracize myself from any meetings here locally. Well, that means I'm having to pay however much money to travel to the U.S. anytime I want to compete locally, nationally, whatever. So that does have to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right now it's kind of the situation that we're in with the USAPL and PLA. Like in, in the international side, if you're just a guy competing, just you, you got to stick with your affiliate of the IPF. Like with us, if I'm just a guy competing, I might as well stick with the USAPL because I'm just doing local meets and just kind of competing just to compete to have fun. So uh, the the international side is interesting. That's where I think it's going to start swerving towards we're going to really attract more of the elite lifter. I I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see like it, it just being attractive. Very similar to here, like the elite elite level lifters are wanting to do PLA. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's almost it's almost like it's just the opposite. Like, we have a hegemon in this side of the world, and the IPF has a hegemon on that side of the world, and it, it just it, it plays into their, the strengths of their federation. Yeah. And, and I think it's important, too. That's why, you know, we keep saying it, why they need to focus on just kind of doing what they can here, the USAPL anyway, because it's so easy to cut up on this idea of, Oh, we gotta have a national presence. We gotta have a national lifters. Where you start doing all this extra stuff that might impact the quality of what you're doing here, yeah. your members here, and that's I think that would be like a horrible idea. And I think I think that just kind of comes from like Steve said, um, people get used to what they know. So it's almost like I think it's almost this mindset of oh, we have to have an international presence because the USAPL is so used to being part of an international presence through the IP, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the first order of business should be like, how are we going to get an international presence? Like, a lot of us were okay with leaving the international presence. So I think a lot of decisions you make has to be based off your customer base. And if your customer base, like, I don't give a fuck about competing in IPF Worlds or in an international competition, you have to make your clientele and your customers happy. So, I, I, I yeah, I, I think the the message, at least from my end of this podcast, like, no, this isn't the first thing we need to figure out in the USAPL as far as the Pro Series goes. 
Like the like the international thing is just I think you open it up like you did with Rondell. Like, hey, if you guys want to comp- compete here, compete here, have fun, you know, have at it. But I think um, the the meets in other countries and like the international events um, it should be put in the back seat for now. Yeah, because we only yeah. Let's face it, we only have one pro meet too. We're basically we, we we have not really seen the pro series. We haven't seen it fully develop into something yet. So we have to, I think, you know, kind of hold your cards until you kind of, you see the flop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's good that they're already trying to plan ahead, and you of course do that. Like you know, to anyone the higher ups in the USAPL listening, keep planning ahead, but focus on what's right in front of you. Let's get through an actual full series of the pro series. See how that goes and. Let, let's shoot, see if people locally even still care after the first year, right? Yeah. True. So one thing on the side of people who do care about international competition that we kind of discussed about of like some people kind of think, I, I don't want to say it's silly to care as much about it, but some people almost kind of find it silly. And some people literally their life goal is to be called world champion. Like they just want that title. Um whether that's a legitimate world championship like the IPF has been, or even the people that will go do their local redneck federation just to put it in their bio that they're world champion submasters. You're talking to the two time AWPC world champion. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't think anyone else in powerlifting has that accolade, but continue. (laughs) I'm a world champion. I got to call myself a world champion for two years, technically. So, and if Russ didn't show up to IPF worlds, the second best 83 there would have called himself a world champion, <laughs> it, which is equivalent to an AWPC world championship in my, in my mind, but continue, Steve. Oh. <laughs> Pretty much the question is like, should we even use that term? And if we do, how would that apply? Like what would be a world record? Like what would setting a world uh, record entail? Like, is there certain meets well, you can do it at? Um, what would be a world champion? Um, I've got some ideas to an extent, but I'll kind of open it up to if, if you guys have kind of I- thoughts on like, if that's even a term we should be using. Oh God, that's a, that's a fantastic question there because it's, I think we're one of the only sports really that, that really, that, that matters or we have to actually say that because the home run King is Barry Bonds, right? The the lead, the, the all-time leader in home runs is Barry uh, Bonds. Asterisks on that one. Well, sure. Asterisk, you asterisk all you want. But <laughs> like it, he's yeah. so it's a, one of those things he played in the major league, he played in major league baseball. And he has that, but you know, in Japan there's uh, they, there could be a person in that that league who it's 800 home runs. But it's not in that specific place. It's such a weird thing like the whole world record and world championship thing is such a weird Thing, but I think if you have international lifters open to compete here and you become the federation that holds all that, then you can call yourself a world champion. But this world record thing is all over the place because I was getting mentioned in all the world record deadlifts that were happening in 83 kilos and there were 10 kilos less than mine. So, like, I, I don't have many – like, a lot of those records to me aren't very legitimate because they aren't – they they aren't the world the actual true world record. I think this sport is so diluted now and and convoluted in all the federations and all the world records that ah man it's it's it, I think it's always going to be a headache. I don't I don't know if there's an opportunity here to to really find a solution to that because we're so used to world records. 
And we're so used to seeing official world record, unofficial world record. Even the official world record is 10 kilos less than the unofficial world record. Like, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. You've got world records, unofficial world records. You got the tested side, the non-tested side, USAPL, USPA. But I don't know. I'm almost hoping that there's almost like a shift. Like I think no matter what, people like titles and people like prestige that comes with their titles. And I, but I guess I'm hoping that it kind of shifts from it having to be like a world title. Like I'm hoping it gets to a point where being like, you know, hey, I won the pro series. That is equivalent of what people see as like, I guess, like a world title. Just because. I mean, to me, I look at kind of more like this, like when Russell won, you know, he went up against, you know, Gibbs, stuff like that. To me, that had value. Whereas like this past world's like to him, I see the value of like, oh, I've won this many world championships. But for me, like, you know, as a fellow lifter and his friend and just if you're watching, it just wasn't as as valuable to me because it's like, well, yeah, of course you won. You had no competition. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... Yeah. See, so I've been thinking about this too. And the thing that comes to mind is when a football team wins the Super Bowl, their t-shirts, their hats, they say world champions, right? Mm. I think if we're going to go with this professional model, I think that's kind of the only way that we go. Meaning that the, and Steve, I'm going to steal your thunder here. Sorry. Um, I think the only way you call yourself a world champion is if you are doing that in the finale of the pro series, it could be per weight class. It could be only the person who wins based on the coefficient. However, we decide to do it though. I think that's gotta be the way that we do it. If we're going with this professional model, because I I don't think it makes sense otherwise. And honestly, I think that makes the title more legitimate. Like, like, let's say we, it's literally just like the only person who wins the pro series is the world champion. There we go. I mean, you literally, that literally means that you beat everyone. You beat everyone, regardless of weight class, regardless of, of sex in some cases, like depending on how that ends up being, it, you, you won. You are the world champion. Um, that makes you literally the best in the sport. And I think that really adds to the prestige of the title. Whereas you, if you keep that sort of a, you know, uh, a mentality like where we're doing like weight class based stuff, um, you might end up with a situation like what you just mentioned with Russ, where he just wins by 200 kilos, you know? Yeah. But I, so I think that, I I think the sport is so reliant on weight class though. That's the thing. It's the weight classes exist for that reason, because this whole, like the formula base thing, I, I like the idea of calling that person the best lifter in the world or crowning him the champion or crowning her the champion. Like this is the champion of the Federation but I still think the weight class world championship title is important because the sport is so heavily decided on weight class. I mean, if, if it wasn't, we wouldn't have weight classes. And same thing with the, like, yeah. same thing with the UFC. Like, you have to have weight classes. You, like, you, you want more people to get involved in your professional organization so you have people who are different body types – and those people are world champions. Now, certain people get more fame or publicity or a little bit more recognition for winning a certain weight class uh, or a certain uh, weight class in the UFC um, just based on who they are and how much they draw. But I, I still think, like, um, I don't want there to be a situation where you're diminishing the value of weight classes because then it turns into the untested side, and I'd rather go back to the IPF than become the untested side of powerlifting. Yeah. I guess the question is how do you how do we incorporate that like the weight classes within uh the pro series or some type of championship since right now it is face off points. 
Well, what I'd like to see, and first I'm going to start off by, I shouldn't be sharing my notes with Joe because he takes my notes and steals my thunder. Um, <laughs> I think the same thing as I was because I, yeah, I think, I think the time we could use the title of world champion is in the pro series finale, but I don't think we can necessarily 100% use that in the current setup. I, I don't know if I love calling someone world champion based off of a coefficient score, um, even though it could be deserving and they could truly be the best. I don't know if I love that. I more would just like to see the finale expanded so that there is the top three pros in each weight class get an automatic invite to the finale. We have a weight class winner, which is world champion. And then we have the champion of champions, which is the big prize money. We, we don't, we don't necessarily even have to give prize money to the, the world champions until like, maybe we get to that point. Um, the champion of champions gets the big pot and they're the pro series winner. They're the champions. I would love to see, we don't, we don't need 10 people in a, in a weight class finale meet. The fact of the matter is, is I'm not going to say that we have some deep classes, but usually the top two or there's two or three that are really kind of a little bit above everyone else. And they're the main ones. And if, if they've earned it throughout the year, they've earned it for a reason. Um, so I would just like to be able to see kind of a combination. Like we don't need the, the, the grand prix and the pro raw. It should just be one meet that has what it would be about 60 lifters. I guess if it's three lifters per weight class, um, 60 pros um, of the top three in each weight class going out it. Yeah. That's, that's what I'd like. Cause I think of it, cause eventually we're going to have more pros than we have right now. So like right now we, we only have a limited number of pros since they're just retroactive the last year. And uh, uh, some of those pros, a lot of our top ones left to, to PLA. Um, so I think in the future, we're going to have enough to do that. And I would, I would love to have a, a finale that included weight classes. Cause like Angelo said, uh, dots is great, but I don't, I wouldn't want that to be everything we're, everything around um I, I would like a weight class battle come the finale at some point yeah yeah and I, then for setting world records that's the one meet you could set a world record in yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask about that like that to me that makes sense like you can still set national records the same we already do it just nationally but yeah have it be at the pro series finale so we could set world records that makes sense to me yeah. I mean, even like 60, I, I said it and then I realized that might be too much. 60 lifters is kind of a lot. I mean, usually, especially the Arnold, they usually keep it to 40. It could just be the top two. I mean, that's fun. The top two in each weight class get to go head to head, which is actually a really fun idea. And it's just them two world champion based off of their, they're, they're the world champion based off of that. Yeah. I like that. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, plus it, it also makes it a little bit different from nationals because at nationals, it kind of already is like the top, you know, Three ten away class battling it out like in prime time or whatever. So if you have it just be the top two at the pro series finale, it kind of gives you something different to look forward to compared to nationals. Yeah, I know for a fact a lot. I mean, one of my athletes, Sean, is just. I mean, he likes the idea of the pro series, but he he is very motivated by head to head battles. I guarantee that would completely shift his mindset. He knew he could go head to head in the pro series finale of what the pro series means for him. And I think a lot of people that would kind of fix that solution if we could just at least have that finale just be number one and number two in each weight class, go head to head best ones, the world champion. I mean, we, we even saw that in the pro series, right? Like, even though the whole thing was, Oh, who's going to win based off dots or whatever, like the battle everybody cared about was Bob versus Petrie because they were pretty much like, you know, the same weight class at one point. So that made that more interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, the, I think the, the sport is, I think always going to be more entertaining because of the weight classes, 
because I think that uh, adds people into the sport. I think people get involved in the sport because they know there's weight classes. I always tell the story in high school where I was a good lifter in high school, and it was a long time ago where powerlifting was not the powerlifting we saw today. I assume powerlifting to be a bunch of fucking 220-pound guys and heavier blasting gear and lifting in also gear. That was my mindset of powerlifting. Once I found out and once the USAPL started to grow in more weight classes, I started to see people in more weight classes. I'm like, oh, this is a great sport for me. I can be 175 to 180 pounds, a weight I'm very comfortable in. I look great doing. Like, this is something that I want to be involved in. If we start getting by, like, if we start getting to this point where it's the weight classes aren't as important, maybe people would think the sport isn't as inclusive to them and – and I think the overall goal is to get more people interested in powerlifting. Like, no matter what you do with the Pro Series, the end goal should be you make the Pro Series to get more people wanting to do powerlifting. More eyes on powerlifting, more publicity for powerlifting, and if there's more eyes and publicity on powerlifting, more people are going to want to do it. That's That that should be the, the reason why you develop anything and try to grow the sport is so more people get involved in it. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, I think that's about all the bullet points I had to kind of go over, unless you guys want to add anything. I, I honestly think that was uh, a lot of things that I hadn't thought about kind of came in this conversation. In- and I really like kind of where this went, because I think um, if you were to kind of take just the model we talked about, I think that could be really exciting um, in the sense of taking kind of the UFC model, having international meets. Uh, and like, like Joe said, one in Europe, one in Asia, Oceania, one in Australia, have that be a qualifier and a possibly a pro qualifier too, that uh, gets people over, does national meets and they compete as competitors, not as guests. Um, and then just allow that filter in. Cause that could even be like, like I said, with the, the finale, maybe it starts out as just a head to head, uh, two people in each weight class, but if the international scene grows enough, maybe it's going to five or eight now because we're having, uh, multiple lifters from other countries being able to be in each weight class. So, um, I think that just allows for the expansion into that. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up with like what I like about when we do stuff like this is just throwing out ideas that I think will have the most appeal to draw the most people in. Like Angelo said, that should be the point. Um, and I do feel like in certain conversations I've had with people, they almost get too caught up on this idea of like, Oh, what can we do to get everyone to come over here? What can we do to please everyone? Like, you're not going to do that. We're not going to please everyone. We're not going to get every international lifter, even every American lifter. It's more so what do we think is going to be best for federation, the members of the federation and drawing more people that uh, within reason you're not going to get everything yeah. yeah and i think what ultimately this conversation comes back to and the reason that we left the ipf in the first place the reason the pro series exists the reason we had that initial conversation that formed the council uh was all about the expansion of the sport right and i think that that's when we're having these kinds of conversations that's what we have to come back to because to be honest the expansion of the sport does not equal pleasing everybody it, it equals making the sport better and no matter what you're just not going to be able to please everyone when you're, you're making something better. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. And as also, well as, I mean, something we didn't talk about cause we're talking more about high level is if we focus too much on getting local meets in other countries and we don't even have enough meet directors in the U S because we've lost some, we've lost a good amount of, we've, we've lost some meet directors. Um, we should, I, I mean, a big priority right now is not only the pro series, but making sure we are developing meet directors in all of these states where we are now lacking um, Florida being a big one. Um, I think Nevada and New Mexico and Arizona as well are like the four states where we, we lost a good amount. Um, so that would be more my priority is like the local level runs everything. That's, that's the reason PLA is probably never going to be able to be uh, 
uh, at the same scale as the USAPL. There's going to be an international feeder to the IPF, which is great. That that works. There, there's that's the the point of PLA and USAPL is more the the main federation within the US. But um, that's another reason not to get too gung ho about making sure there's local meets in other countries when there are some states in the US that have very few local meets. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to remember the same way that like, you know, what, what was our argument before when we were talking about USAPL versus IPF, we we're like, most lifters are never going to go to worlds. So making the focus that doesn't make sense. Well, the fact is most lifters aren't going to be pros either. That would defeat the whole purpose. So continue to see that local level buildup is very important. That's why I love things like, you know, um, uh, like the Texas Barbell Syndicate meet, Carolina primetime work at everything like that. Like just seeing the quality of local meets go up in general, that's that's you. Yes. Well, one thing I know. And one in game. Hey, 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 Joe, listen, once you, once you do it, once you do it <laughs> and it goes well, I'll give you your promise. We'll deliver. We'll deliver. <laughs> well, one thing that's been announced, and we've talked about it on Two White Lights for a while, is regionals. If they do regionals right, that could be huge. I, I would love for there to be uh, an incentive to like being the state champion that then gets you an automatic qualification to regionals, but regionals has a QT as well. Yeah. Um, it might be a fairly low key t- QT, but it has a QT for those local level lifters to work something towards. But like at a state meet, if you win state in your weight class, you get the automatic qualification, whether you got the QT total or not. And then we already had it at regionals where the regional winners, if they, they met a certain criteria of like within 50 kilos or something of the qualifying total, they were going to get an automatic invite to nationals. I hope that stays. And I hope regionals are a big thing that were, are, I hopefully ran by the USAPL or just go get Sabre to run all of them. Um, because I think that would be big. If, if regionals can be the stepping stone, because it, we're all, we're not even just talking about pros. The fact is like, I'm going to use myself because I'm the worst lifter here. Um, the current qualifying totals at nationals, um, no matter what I do, I probably, I probably would never qualify for nationals. Um, I just, I, until I'm probably a master's four and I can get my 75 kilo, uh, kilo total, um, that's required. Um, I can't hit a 1600 something pound total at 93, but I could at least have something to work towards of hitting a 1200 pound total to qualify for regionals. I would, I would have loved that. That would have been great for me as a yeah. lifter. Who's not very, uh, genetically gifted and was never going to be a national level competitor. So, yeah, I like that idea. I would have to move back to Illinois though and keep my membership in Illinois. If I want to say championships, it's fuck. If I had to compete in Texas, it's pretty much competing at nationals. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be like, I'll, if I win Texas, I'm a national champion, right? I'm a world champion. If I win the 83 te- or 82 and a half Texas uh, state championships. Hey, I'm in the same boat. I gotta, I gotta go register. My parents address as my address on my card. Go back to Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm, I'm always sticking with the USAPL Illinois, uh, with the uh, Illinois membership. I, I think uh, when I when I redo my membership, it's going to still be in Illinois. But yeah, I, now if regionals become the thing, of course I'm going to stick in the Midwest. I love you. I love all the lifters in Texas, but I'm competing in nationals once this year. I'm not to compete in nationals twice a year. <laughs> Wouldn't that be yeah. great though? A Texas state championship, and it's just like the best competition ever. <laughs> It's like it's somehow that's, like we put so win, much that's, money. That's that's the qualification for being world champion, just winning Texas State. <laughs> oh God, people from people from Carolinas are 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 throwing their computers right now. Amy Hutchinson being the number one, she is so mad right now. Like uh, we're not giving the Carolinas are fantastic, but if I if if you could win a Texas State championship, 
then, yeah, you might as well just be a national champion in most of the weight classes, too. On the female side, the North, uh, the North and South Carolinas have fucking really good lifters. And, uh, yeah, like you said, that's why Carolina Primetime is such a good meet is because they have found a great way, Marshall has found a great way to unify all those lifters into wanting to compete against each other and have a really high-level competition, and they're able to do and that. Texas and Texas lifters flew out there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Petrie, Petrie had to ruin that for everyone. <laughs> yeah, to Carolina. Oh so, yeah, I mean, Petrie kind of wrapping back around, it wasn't clear. Like, uh, we only have a finite amount of resources and money. Like, I would, I would, if you had to give me a, uh, a option, I would rather regionals be super high production and a ton of money thrown into that versus throwing in the money into international beats right away. Yeah, like, I would. Yeah. You let's would have get to, that yeah. system for not just the top level of level lifters, but the local to regional level lifters, let's get them the best production possible. And so if that's the case, well, I mean, we're always going to get all the lifters in because why would you go to any other meet when we're having national level quality production at regional and state level meets? Yeah. I think they, 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 they pitched it, I think at the NGB, but they, they really, uh, there was an issue with just like volunteers and how they would get there. Like, a lot of the volunteers who would be spotting and loading, and they probably want to compete at that regional competition. So, like, how do you really figure that aspect out? I think that was one of the big uh, hurdles. Like, because I love the I idea. I can tell you how Midwest regionals, Midwest regionals in 2018 did it, is they offered first place was a full set of uh, Lico Kilo plates. Second place uh, for the fastest spotting and loading crew was an Alico bar third place was at a collars fourth place was nothing uh, my team got fourth place we were the team that got put together at the last second and so i think they just randomly didn't uh include us properly um to no surprise texas strength systems and west sunker won the overall and got oh, the kilo plates oh yeah they are the best spotting and loading crew so get the sponsors seen. on board have some prizes hey, so we're us. better at spot and loading too Texas just out here man yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. 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 They are. They they have that uh, to it. Oh, uh, actually, also the question that I think is very important to the lifters: How are power rankings going to be done? If or can we get a fair? <laughs> oh, can we get a fair? Are we power opening up this wound again? <laughs> so I mean, that was I mean that was the biggest issue within the within the end of 2021 was getting appropriate power rankings. I'm having an echo again. I assume so. I can't. Talk again. <laughs> I yeah we'll 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 get our power rankings going soon so to make sure that everyone is is heard and uh, is happy with the power rankings that are being done. Oh boy, <laughs> I don't know. I, you got to ask these questions if you want to make lifters happy. You got to make sure the year end power rankings are done appropriately. That's that's a PR move, I guess. But dangerous words are never never more spoken on this podcast, Angelo. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm used to it, so that's good. I'll I'll create enemies I didn't even know. Uh, I'll create enemies that I didn't even know were listening. That's also that's also a trick of two white lights is throw in something just to see who listens to the podcast. I didn't know John Hack listened to the podcast. Oh yeah, he, he does. He listens to the podcast. I'm like, holy fuck, John Hack listens to the podcast. That's amazing. But you have to throw in like an insult there. I mean, this is this is kind of my test here. John Hack, come on two white lights or you're a bitch. You won't, if you don't come on two white lights, you're just a bitch. See, let's see if I, I, I got I got I got one for you. John Hack, it is appropriate to eat the celery and carrots along with your wings. That's an inside I, joke between I've, him and me. I've heard that story. 
I've heard that story. I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with what you just said, Joe. But I agree with my last statement. It's John Hack. You don't come on two white lights. You're a bitch. I don't know why you won't do it. Have we invited him recently? I've invited I mean, him like seven times. About us. I've invited him like seven times to come on the show. I threatened to punch him over Zoom because uh, I'm like that's why he won't. I'm like that's why he won't come on the show because I'm gonna punch him over a Zoom meeting. I don't know. I he's, he's got to come on the show. I guarantee you, I can give a better interview than Mark Bell, even over Zoom. Maybe if we get Andy Wong on, uh, John will come naturally with. Yeah. All right. That's actually a good idea. At hybrid. Actually. I'm we're commentating it. I guess we gotta uh, we gotta rub some elbows there. <laughs> we gonna fight anyone at Hybrid? Uh, is Joe Selvin gonna be there? Uh, he's got some. Oh athletes. god. <laughs> well, I guess he, uh, he did complain about the travel costs because of the pro meet, but it's I believe he's gonna be there anyways at both. Um, yeah. Well, let's get ready. That's uh, it's, it's make sure make sure we're um. We're ready for we're ready for any sort of combat that happens. We're in we're we are in uncharted territories. That's an untested meet. We're not we're not as beloved there. We are the tested sides, you know, golden balls. I'll wear the eight man strong shirt. I, I ordered one last week. That'll help me blend in. I'll wear my flat brim hat so I can look like another douchebag. I know. By the way, Marcellus and Joe, how do you like me on Two White Lights? You're just associated with all the... I mean, we had this regular podcast, and then eight minutes, I'm just burning bridges. Hey, no, that's cool, man. Uh, everyone, everyone knows I speak for myself. You good. <laughs> or speaking of which, yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of flat-brimmed douchebags, uh, Three White Lights. That's what I meant. Three White Lights. That's that's the actual title of the name, or the title of the show. It's Three White Lights, not Two White Lights. <laughs> I can't say oh, after a period of time you stop caring at all about <laughs> trying to be the nice guy. It's a lot more fun just to troll on people. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, though, Angelo, I would say uh, for power rankings, uh, being a current member of the federation that's giving the power rankings and maybe not having given a whole middle finger to said federation, that'll probably help. Yeah. I would I would yeah. assume so. Yeah, I would assume uh, that to be the case. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no for, no formal emails, definitely, saying that you don't want to be in the Federation anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would probably be one of the number one qualifiers of being a part of a year-end power ranking. By the way, I hate to make this about myself, but I remember like people tagging me in the world record poll that happened at European Championships, and people were like, Angelo has the best or the world record or something. And they're like, uh, he didn't set it at a, uh, at a international meet. And someone was like, well, is that USAPL Nationals? They're like, they're not part of the IPF. I'm like, what the fuck? Why couldn't I just screenshot of that and then use this as the argument for the power rankings? Yeah. Because that's yeah. the exact argument, right? Like, Same thing. They just yeah. said, fuck you, you don't get this record. That's five and a half kilos less than your actual record. Or the national record, but... It, but the power rankings were in, in a uh, were graded differently. I guess I don't know. I should have just used that one. I should I should have got more upset about that. What I said is I don't give a fuck about world records. I should have just said I. Well, this is bullshit. I'm, I was part of the IPF when I set this record. They should they should consider my national record or world record. 
now we're getting into some really dangerous uh, contentions there. Yeah, I don't think they care. Like, the only people who seem to care are fans. That's what I noticed. Like, the guy who set the record, he's a great guy. Uh, he he didn't care that somebody mentioned that. I didn't care that somebody mentioned that. It was, like, between fans going back and forth. It's like, all right, have your uh, – that's a good thing, actually. Have your fun little debates. Because the guy who it's set almost the like It's almost like when you're actually proud of the work you're doing, you're not so easily invalidated by the opinions of others. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, it's still an impressive lift. It's not like, yeah. you know, it, it's not like we're like invalidating what they're doing. It was still hella good. And obviously it was done to like a, a certain standard, but yeah, I mean, objectively speaking, somebody's pulled more weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Steve, anything else to add? Want to potentially get canceled um, in the last five minutes or try to get canceled? But we'll do that a different time. We're still trying to work on that 12-month PA ban. We'll see if we can get that going. I can't say anything, though. I mean, if you can, good. But I, I think <laughs> I think it serves a purpose. You know, like, it does. That's, that's, that's my problem with but like. I just I, I feel like I can't the talk leadership there yet. is not going to take as kindly to our criticism as USAPL took to it. Oh, and yeah. I will say one thing. That's I think good, some uh, people are going to have some harsh uh, reality when they realize that when they go to a USAPL meet in the future, they are then not allowed to coach or compete in PA anymore. Mm. I don't feel like that's very understood based on uh, posts I saw today and story posts. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Cross that bridge when you get there. That's my strategy for everything. So I think that's also their strategy. <laughs> Like that's a fu- that's a future me problem. If I'm doing this right now, that's a future me problem. Like a big cost on my credit card. Be like, I'll deal with that eventually. Right now, I could pay whatever I just paid for, but at the end of the month, that's when I got to worry about it. And then the end of the month, says you're like, oh fuck, that was a terrible idea. That's what I think is going to happen. I, I, but I let future me deal with all I, those problems. I am genuinely curious as to if like they'll be policing that very closely after like it's been made like such a big stink. Like, I wonder if they'll have like a list of people that they'll be like, "Mm, no, sorry, bro. You were spotted at a USAPL meet recently. Well, I, we were talking, I think we were talking, me and Angela were talking in a group chat with CB about it is that uh, in the USAPL, that would have been impossible. There's too many members in the PLA. If they only got 200 members, you probably actually could police that. And I'm just going to say, if there's someone who's going to police that, it would be Robert Keller, I feel like. Especially. Would make sense considering his position. I mean, they're, they're going to have, they're not going to do it right now. I mean, we can see they're not really doing it right now, right? Because if they don't, then you're not going to have anybody do it because everyone just did USAPL meets recently. Well, did, you see the, did you see the thing they sent out? Recently? The yeah. Or today? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they're going to have to start enforcing it now, though, because what's the incentive people to go there and stay there if they don't yeah um correct me if i'm wrong but to my understanding the the change that they made in the ipf constitution makes that mandate more strict right so now they have to right i mean the the bigger issue is coaches not lifters because if you're going to go compete pa that means you want to be there the issue is like i can any of us as long as we're us we've never been a pa member before we can go there anytime we want but once we go there, we cannot go and be coaching again or lifting in a non-WADA sanctioned meet. 
If we do, we receive a 12-month ban from any national competition or IPF competition, which national uh, USAPL never upheld. They never enforced that rule. Now, IPF could enforce that rule, but USAPL never did. So you could go coach it, the showdown, and then come back and coach it raw nationals. So according to what was said in the group, uh, the Powerlifting America group that got circulated is like, if we were to go get our PA membership to coach it, PA nationals, which they're going to have, like, I assume you're probably, they're actually enforcing the true rules. You're supposed to have a membership to even coach at a local meet as well, which if they're following all the rules, they might be doing that as well. Um, if I was to then go coach at collegiate nationals after getting my PA membership, I would then be banned for 12 months from competing at PA nationals or IPF level events. I could compete at PA local meets or coach at PA local meets, but I could not be at national meets or IPF events. Okay. Yep. Coaching is the one where that's going to get sticky unless it's just easy. Like you just have all your lifters in one federation. Yeah, man, that's, that's hurtful. I just, I really wanted to be able to get my PA membership and coach all my lifters who really want to do it, man. You know, that, that stinks. I'm going to get my PA membership just to get my 12 month ban because you can't get it unless you get it in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to get it because it's convenient. Nationals is in Austin. You need, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You need a test, you need a tester though. Right, Steve, you could you could volunteer as like sacrifice, like see if they actually enforce it and ban you, and see if it will actually happen to other coaches if you do that. Like every right. go fund me if every, every anyone rule. wants to chip in five bucks, we get up to what the seventy five dollar fee. I'll buy a PA membership and see if they'll ban me for coaching at USAPL. Yeah, because every every law needs like a test case to go along with it. So like that could be your thing. It's just like I'm going to test to see if they're actually enforcing this thing, and see. I mean. Because the IPF recently has kind of turned a blind eye to Angela, too, you're lifting at the Arnold. What's up? You're lifting at the Arnold. Yeah, but I don't coach you, We both need to get it. I get one as a coach. You get one as a lifter, and we well, see who they ban. But wouldn't I, would I have to compete at a PA meet, or is it just me having a membership? No. As, as soon oh, yeah. as you are a PA member, you can no longer attend. Oh, yeah. No, I shouldn't say attend. You can no longer lift or coach at a non-WADA-sanctioned meet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pete Spence, send me seventy five dollars. I know you really want to Venmo me something. So and just to see this, um, if you're listening, yeah, Venmo me some Venmo, Venmo me some money just so we can have. This. I think it's it's gonna help a lot of people in powerlifting just to know. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe and then we'll also see who they decide to turn a blind eye to because the IPF recently has kind of turned a blind eye to like certain rules, right? Certain world team spots. So I I don't I don't I don't know like. I who they enforce, who they enforce this bond, who's the most valuable, who do they want to make happy? Are 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 they really in it for? I want to do it even more because if I don't get banned and Angelo get banned, gets banned, that would make me so happy because I'm more important than Angelo. <laughs> well, if that, well, you, I'm usually punished for the, those for everything. So yeah, like that would probably be more to the brand. They would punish me, not Steve. Which, sure. I I I would still like to see that. I would still like to see that test case happen. Do people in PLA listen oh, to I this podcast? We'll... They I don't have think... to. I don't know who's in PLA. Robert Keller, Mike Z. That's is it? it. Is it uh, Arian? No. Kamesi. I oh, thought he was really going to be. I I, I thought he was really. Nope. I was like. He's the state chair of uh, Florida now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I well, yeah, because I was like the organization would be very good under him. 
That was the thing. I was like, if he's the guy, I'm like, because I really like Arian. I'm like, if he's the guy, then I'm like, then PLA becomes a little bit more legitimate in my eyes and something that's going to have a nice organizational structure. But when yeah, I found Arian that he's on good meets too. No, he's just a good dude. Like, Arian's just a good guy. Like, he is, he, he gets it. He's one of those guys who gets it. And I could tell he gets it because he, you know, interacts with a lot of different people. Like, where I think a lot of the old heads who were in USAPL and kind of diverged to PLA, to me, they didn't get a lot of it. They didn't get yeah, the stuff. I, <laughs> the, the stuff that the lifters wanted. They didn't understand that the Italians run powerlifting. The Italians and are always at the top. That work with. Like the Godfather. We always are pulling the strings. <laughs> All right. Well, we rambled on many minutes. So, yeah. Joe, Marcellus, appreciate as always you all coming on. Um, there's not a better group that produces some excellent information in the sense of like helping to progress the sport. So, um, we've had some fun over this last year and hopefully we keep doing it. So, yep. Very good sure. way to kick off this year is with the council. So, very, uh, no, very absolutely. Always love being on. Always love chatting with you guys. Anytime, guys. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.